This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You know, today's a day where if you observe the market and how the pros on CNBC, Fox Business, and all those TV channels talk, you can tell that there's a little bit of fear in the eyes of the news host during this time. Like in particular right now, the market's pretty much down right now as the recording of this podcast, or at least as of the recording of this podcast. And there are companies that are down at least 6% across the board on some of them. And then you have some of the car companies right now that are down between 23 to 80, no, 23 to 28% down currently right now. Wall Street's pretty worried across the board. And they're getting a little shaken up. And another thing too that it seems to be a trend right now that's talking about is now all eyes on Wall Street is pointing towards the meeting of OPEC+. And according to the news reports currently right now, and we'll obviously cover it next week too to see if these newscasters are right on their reports end, they're claiming right now that Russia is going to ask OPEC to cut production by 1 million barrels a day which means potentially gas prices are going to be going up, but we're going to continue to keep an eye out for that. But speaking of Russia and Ukraine, today, some articles that we'll be going over in today's podcast. Biden improves additional $1.1 billion in security assistance for Ukraine. The aid keeps going to Ukraine from the United States. In European markets, poor shares rise on landmark Frankfurt de- debut today. Other IPO news, NASDAQ says IPOs by Chinese firms could pick up dramatically as delisting fears ease and what that could potentially mean for those markets. Then we got to get into a potential IPO that's not going to be happening just yet, but it might be in the next few years. A, ro- a robot company called Miso Robotics and how they're going to be insp- installing a robot called Chippy at Chipotle. It's going to be an interesting read to get into. And finally, we'll be ending today talking about the politics sides of the market and how India's military relationship with Russia isn't going away and it might endure for decades. With that being said, as I have to tell you at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any stock or company as you're not always guaranteed to make money in the stock market. Please also be advised too that I'm not a professional advisor and I cannot give you financial advice in any way, shape or form. Please go talk to your own professional advisor before making any decisions as they would understand your financial situation a lot better. I cannot legally give you any financial advice. This podcast is for entertainment and information purposes only. With that, let's begin today's podcast. Biden approves an additional $1.1 billion in security assistance for Ukraine. From Washington, the Biden administration announced a $1.1 billion in additional security assistance for Ukraine on Wednesday, bringing the U.S. commitment to more than $16.2 billion since Russia's invasion in late February. The announcement of the upcoming aid package in the 22nd such an installment following referendums held in the four Russian-occupied regions of Ukraine are backed by Russian President Vladimir Putin. The votes widely viewed as a rigged and illegitimate are to determine if Don, uh, the four regions, I can't remember how to pronounce them, sorry, if they should be a part of Russia. They have been criticized as a scheme by Putin to pave a way for Moscow to announce it has annexed more of Ukraine by the end of the week. 
Earlier this week, the White House said that the U.S. would never acknowledge the results of the sham referendum that would continue proving Kiev with military and humanitarian support. The latest U.S. Uh, security package consists of 18 high mobility artillery rocket systems or HIMARS, as well as a uh, mu- mutation mu- as well as munitions for those systems. 150 arms multi-purpose vehicles, 150 tactical vehicles to tow weapons, 40 trucks, and four and 80 trailers to transport heavy equipment. Two radars for unarmed aerial aerial systems, 20 multi-mission radars, as well as a secure communication system and body armor. Unlike a presidential drawdown authority, which pulls weapons directly from the U.S. stockpiles, the latest security assistance package is authorized through the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative, or USAI, which uses funds appropriated by Congress. The USAI finances the American defense industry to scale up arms production. Under Secretary of Defense for Policy Colin Kale told reporters at the Pentagon last month that the USAI packages can typically take months or years to deliver depending on the package contracting process. NATO allies have been bolstering security throughout the region, taking refugees and trained Ukrainian forces. Pretty much right now, if you're invested in a Lockheed Martins or anything that's a defense contractor that makes any of these products or services, you could potentially be seeing some gains in those stocks. Potentially. And I only say that because a lot of it's just Americans' taxpayer dollars going into funding these type of weapons to help Ukraine fight this war with Russia. I still will be saying this. I hope it's all worth it in the end. The 22nd package deal. How much more can we keep pumping into Ukraine? And all honestly, we're like the piggy bank for Ukraine, even though Ukraine should have been preparing for this years ago. But, you know... We want to keep freedom for people, but it's it's costing someone. And right now, it seems like it's going to be costing the American taxpayer a lot more going forward. But hey, if you're invested in those defense contractors, you're probably seeing a lot of money coming in eventually for you. On this, onto the IPO news market, which I find interesting with the IPO market because it seems like more and more companies are coming out, even though we had reported in a past podcast from CNBC that... Goldman Sachs was having to lay off people due to lack of IPOs this year. And it seems like the IPO market is slowly coming back on its feet towards the end of this year. Not within the United States, obviously, but at least outside the United States. It says here, Porsche, and this is from CNBC, Porsche shares rise in landmark Frankfurt debut. Porsche shares rose in the stock market debut Thursday in one of the biggest public offerings in Europe ever. Shares of the iconic sports brand initially traded at 84 euros, on Thursday morning, after they had been priced at the top end of the of the range late Wednesday at $82.50 euros, it values the company at roughly 75 billion euros. At 9.30 a.m. London time, Thursday shares had steadily at 84.50 euros. Parent company Volkswagen is offering 911, no, correction, 911 million shares, a reference to Porsche famous 911 model. Today, it is a great day for Porsche and a great day for Volkswagen. The chief financial officer told CNBC Squawk Box Europe Thursday, the organization knew the IPO would be successful according to Atlas citing strong financials and a very and a very convincing strategy for the future. Continuing on with the quote, we are convinced despite the challenging environment, this IPO would, would prove successful and we were right, he told CNBC. Before trading started, reactions were positive with the cornerstone investors having already claimed around 40% of the shares on the offering, according to Rudders. Until now, the sole per owner of Porsche AG Volkswagen is reducing its stake in the sports car firm with a 12.5% slice being listed. 
Listing shares should give Porsche a financial boost of 19.5 billion euros, giving the company more financial flexibility in terms of electric vehicles, according to Volkswagen. The landmark listing comes at a time when the market choppiness as the auto industry continues to feel the effects in the war in Ukraine and the valuations of other luxury car makers, including Ashton Martin, Ferrari, BMW and Mercedes Benz have dropped in recent months. The Porsche AG has completely decoupled itself from the negative market trends. One investor told Reuters, translated by CNBC, companies are thought to be delaying going public because of the current market conditions. The IPO is instead to be a trailblazer for other companies to follow suit, however, as Porsche remains a particularly strong brand with its unique market position. Volkswagen initially announced its plans for Porsche to go public on September 5th. Atlas also addressed the ongoing semiconductor shortages, which will continue to be an issue this year. Quote, we expect a better supply in 2023, as we expect an easing of the shortage to kick in in 2024. It's good to see that Porsche went public. Things are going well from them. And there's more exciting IPO news potentially and has to do with the Chinese markets. It says NASDAQ says IPO by Chinese firms could pick up dramatically as delisting fears ease. The NASDAQ is expecting more Chinese companies to list on the U.S. exchange in the coming months as Beijing and Washington appear closer to resolving an audit dispute. Quote, we still have a pretty strong pipeline as things are getting to become a little more clear in the market. We think that the market could pick up dramatically, said Bob McCoy, vice chairman of, uh, vice chairman of NASDAQ, who does business development in the Asian Pacific, told CNBC on Wednesday. The market for Chinese initial public offering pretty much shut down in the light of the Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act and the noise around Chinese ride halting giant, he told Street Signs Asia. Delisting risks for U.S. listed Chinese companies sharply increased following the signaling of a Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act in late 2020. The law allows the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission to kick Chinese companies off American stock exchanges if the American regulators are not able to review company audits for three years in a row. Chinese ride-hauling giant uh, Diddy announced of plans to delist from the New York Stock Exchange in late 2021, just six months after its U.S. IPO, also fueled investor concerns. Diddy, also subject to a cybersecurity probe from Chinese regulators soon after its IPO, Diddy also faced investigation by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commissions. Some 30 Chinese companies went public on the NASDAQ in the first half of 2021. And this is the agreement that they are going to agree to. Washington Beijing reached a deal in August to allow the U.S. to conduct inspections within Chinese borders, a move that was seen as a positive step towards a solution to the audit dispute that escalated in recent years. China sent regulators to assist inspectors from the U.S. Public Company Accounting Oversight Board in Hong Kong. Reuters report last week citing unnamed sources. Quote, I don't want to jump the guns, McCoy told CNBC, but U.S. regulators are comfortable with the audit work papers in Hong Kong that will take the risk of the Chinese companies being delisted. I hope that everything goes smoothly and that in the next few months, we'll have clarity and certainty that companies from China will continue to remain listed, he said. That will give confidence to other ones to come to the U.S. capital markets. It's going to be interesting to see how this all works out in the end, in all honesty, because it went, I, would, I personally wouldn't be surprised if there becomes more issues with the IPO market because of the Chinese companies, because... If I'm not mistaken, I believe a lot of these companies are still owned by the Chinese government. Could be wrong. I'm willing to admit if I'm wrong in that regard. But the the terms of the deal, it's going to be interesting. It, it's funny how they have to use Hong Kong, though, to prize their location site. Because Hong Kong is still considered a more free China right now, at least for now. In time, probably uh, Hong Kong's going to get absorbed into China and then... What's going to happen then? It's going to get interesting to see. 
But what I'm also interested to see is this too, with other IPOs potentially in the future. It has to do with the robotics industry again from Miso Robotics. Okay. Because next time you go to your Chipotle, there might be a robot in the Chipotle. You might not see it because it'll be handling the chips in the back. But there is innovation coming for the restaurant industry. And what's also interesting too, is I had been studying up on Miso Robotics a few years ago when they were debuting Flippy, which was flipping hamburger patties. And now they're expanding a little bit more. So it seems like Miso Robotics is going to be a big company soon. Let's read. Chipotle Mexican Grill attests robotic tortilla chip maker Chippy in California restaurant. Chipotle Mexican Grill is moving one step closer to having a robot make its tortilla chips. The burrito chain said Tuesday that it will test Chippy, an autonomous kitchen assistant made by Miso Robotics, next month in a restaurant in Fountain Valley, California. Chipotle has already tested Chippy's ability to make this and season its tortilla chips with salt and lime at its headquarters, Innovation Hub, in Irvine, California. Like the rest of its new tech and menu items, the company is relying on its stage gate process to test and lean, uh, correction, test and learn from workers and customers to decide how to roll the technology nationwide. Today, workers at Chipotle restaurants fry and season the chips, which can be time consuming. Restaurant, restaurants and retailers have been testing robotics automation to speed up the operation and reduce menial tasks for workers. Starbucks recently unveiled new systems for more efficiency, making cold coffee drinks, brewing, drip coffee, and serving food. Elsewhere, Panera and McDonald's have been testing automated drive through ordering to cut down service times, while White Castle and Buffalo Wild Wings are also testing Miso Robotics technology. They're using, I believe, Flippy, if I'm not mistaken, and I think they're also using the robot that handles the fries as well. Could be wrong on that, but I remember kind of doing some research on that beforehand. In addition to the Chippy restaurant test, Chipotle said it's piloting a new kitchen management system that uses machine learning to predict demand for its ingredients in order to improve freshness and minimize food waste. The system designed by uh, Percy Taste is being tested at eight restaurants in Orange County, California. No, no, just Orange County. doesn't say where, but I'm assuming it's Orange County, California, because the only other Orange counties are in New York and Florida. And if they're stationed in Irvine, at least Chipotle's headquarters, it's probably got to be Orange County, California. But... It says Orange County on the article. And in Cleveland, the company said 73 of its restaurants are pivoting, uh, correction, are piloting location-based technology to improve its mobile app. The program is meant to help customers and deliver drivers known as orders are ready. If they are wrong, if, if they are at the wrong location and scan loyalty QR codes, the technology created by Flyby by Radius Networks is also being used by retailers like Harris, Teeter, Albertsons, and Vineyard Vines. It's going to get interesting to see how Flippy grows within the next few years. Well, not just Flippy, but Miso Robotics in general. They're pretty much using a robotic arm and they're using it to do the tasks. You can actually look on Miso's website and be able to see the products and services. I've said this before. Robots are going to be a huge, huge investment thesis in the future. It's kind of like the early 2000s over again when the internet was becoming the big thing. I mean, that's when Amazon came out. That's when Yahoo, Google, all those things. And now it seems like robotics are going from the factory to the actual everyday lives of human beings. And that's where a lot of things are, it looks like they're heading. And it's going to be really interesting to see how these restaurants are probably going to potentially improve margins. And honestly, if you're paying a robot to do things, it does need rest. You just have to pay the company. Probably cheaper to use the robot in the long term. You can focus more on your customer brand and you don't have to be cooking as much food as much. It could potentially change the whole industry in general. 
And I think Miso Robotics is going to be the lead one, at least for the the food industry in the making. I've been paying attention to Miso Robotics for the last few years. In fact, I had an opportunity because it is considered an angel invest right now, I believe it is. I had a few a few years ago, I had an opportunity to throw money into it, but I didn't because there was other opportunities out there. I believe right now Miso Robotics is having another offering currently right now. This isn't financial advice. I'm not telling you to invest in Miso Robotics. You need to do your own research. But I do believe they're having another potential offering right now. There are certain rules and requirements in the United States you'd have to meet to invest into that company currently. But Miso Robotics, start remembering that name because if they ever do go public, it probably will be a big company because it's going to change a lot of the industry when it comes to fast food because it's going to save a lot of time. The, The technology is super fascinating using AI to study the food and be able to do what it needs to do. It's it's really fascinating. I'd advise looking at their website and seeing their videos of what they're doing. It's really fascinating stuff that they're doing right now currently. Last thing we're going to talk about today, and it's in the politics side of the market, because this could potentially be of interest for the next few years, maybe even the next decade or for decades, as they're claiming here in this article. India's military relationship with Russia isn't going away. It'll endure for decades, analysis say. India Prime Minister may have publicly rebuked Russian President Vladimir Putin over the war in Ukraine, but the longstanding friendship between the two countries isn't going away, analysis say. Today's era is not an era of war, and I've spoken to you on the phone about this, Modi said to Russian Prime Minister Vladimir Putin in a televised meeting at Shanghai. Cooperation organization in Samark in Uzbekistan two weeks ago. That marked a shift in tone for the early days of the war when India was seen as an unwilling to criticize Russia given its uh, abstention from the UN voting censoring of the country for the invasion, among other things. Russia foreign minister, for his part, claimed that Russia and India were friends a month after Ukraine was invaded. But despite India's apparent change in stance over the war, India still needs Russia, analysis told NBC. And why is that? Well, we've mentioned a lot on this podcast. It's because they have to counter China. India is in a unique position where it needs Russia in the short term to manage China, said Harsh V. Pant, Vice President of Studies and Foreign Policy Observer Research Foundation, a Delhi-based think tank. Pant added that India needs the West over the long term in handling its relations with China, citing that later at the most important strategic challenging challenger for India. China and India have been locked in a two-year-long border dispute in the Himalayas. I believe it's a lot longer than a two-year border dispute. I believe it's been happening since the 70s. Could be wrong on that. Although troops from both sides have recently shared uh, disengaging from the Western side, but both still have thousands of soldiers lined up along the de facto border known as the Line of Actual Control at LAC. The future of China and India's relationship is going to be a difficult one a senior associate at Center of Strategic and International Studies. At a regular Indian foreign office, new briefings in August, the spokesman affirmed that the India's policies are consistent and do not require reiteration. when asked about Delhi's approval of the One China policy. In addition, there's a whole Belt and Road Initiative, which is designed really to give China control over the Indo-Pacific eventually. 
Nabria's China's ambitious program to build physical and digital infrastructure connect hundreds of countries from Asia to the Middle East, Africa, and Europe. Critics consider Chinese President Xi Jinping signature foreign policy to expand his country's global influence. During the recent SCO meeting, India reframed from reaffirming support for China's BRI. Russia is still, is still pivotal military partner and chief arms supplier to India analysis says the bulk of India's conventional weapons are sourced from Russia. A senior expert of U.S. Institute of Peace. This means that it relies heavily on Russia for force sustainment, including spares, maintenance, and upgrades for years. According to data from Stockholm International Peace Research Institute, India was the top importer of Russia arms from 2017 to 2021, and Russia equipment made up 46% of India arms imports. Though it's a far cry from the 80% figure during the Cold War, it still reflects India's big dependence on Russia said Pant, especially given the tensions between India and China over the LAC are still very active. Russia remains India's most important military partner, he added. India also increased its purchase of Russian oil following the Kremlin's invasion of Ukraine, benefiting from a discounted rate. This isn't going to end anytime soon. And something I just need to point out currently too on this podcast. We spoke recently about how India is trying to become a chip manufacturing powerhouse in the making. Okay. What's going to make things more interesting is there is a high chance, and this is just a theory, that as India, no, no, correction, as China and Russia get closer together, India will start getting closer to Russia, especially if they become a huge chip maker in the making. Okay. One of the things that the chips that, one of the reasons why the United States is banning chips from China is because they are afraid that they're going to be using it for mili- for their military. Okay. If India is able to persuade any of these countries, or not countries, any of these companies to come to India, I have a feeling, personal belief, that military chips will be made in India. And who's to say Russia doesn't get their hands on them since India wants to be good friends with Russia so that they can control China? It's becoming an interesting situation in the making. India might be the perfect location too for not only for the chip making, but for peace negotiations eventually one day as well. At least it seems like it, but it was what's also going to get interesting too, is if Russia does start importing, if, if India does become this chip manufacturing behemoth in the making, in the making, Russia will buy chips and they're probably going to end up buying them from India and India will still keep getting cheap oil from Russia just to keep China at bay. It's going to get really interesting. But maybe at the same token, maybe these companies know this and maybe that's not what's that's not what's going to cause India to become this ch- this chip giant anymore. Who knows? But I do know like I said, my personal opinion, if chips are starting to get made in India in the future, I expect Russia to start buying the chips from India. And those same chips will be used for Russia's military in the future. Something I I firmly believe will end up happening just from personal observation and just seeing how the market's currently moving. And then that makes things a little bit more interesting too, because if you put sanctions on Russia, like if Russia ever becomes this aggressive country again, where it's invading other countries, what restrictions can you really put on them? And all honestly, and who's to say that Russia doesn't buy the chips from India and then they just sell the chips to China? becomes a really sticky situation. kind of does if you think about it, the more you do think about it. But at least right now, 
That relationship between China, between China, between China and Russia will still continue and between India and Russia will continue as well because India wants to keep China at bay. And this is how things are going to have to go. But don't expect that relationship to end anytime soon. So with that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. As every like and subscription we get will help grow this podcast channel so we'll be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street or things that Wall Street isn't willing to be able to talk about. I also ask, too, that you share with friends or family as they might be able to enjoy this podcast as well and be able to spread the news about what we're talking about here on Stock Market Observation. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.